This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 51. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 37. Mostly sunny Tuesday with a high near 65. On October 18th, around 7.32 p.m., New York State Police at Sydney and the EMS were dispatched to a one-vehicle crash near County Road 39 in the town of Bainbridge. An investigation at the scene indicated that the vehicle went off the roadway and struck a tree. The driver, identified as Naquane Johnson of Schenectady, was provided medical care by Sydney EMS but did not survive. The passenger, also from Schenectady, was evaluated by Sydney EMS, then transported to UH Hospital for further care. The investigation is ongoing. Beginning in January, Delta Airlines will once again fly from Binghamton to one of Delta's key Midwest hubs in Detroit. Flights from the Greater Binghamton Airport to Detroit Metro will be offered daily starting on January 8th. In addition to expanding the number of connections, Delta will utilize the larger CRJ-900 aircraft to accommodate more passengers on each flight with two-class service. Previous Binghamton to Detroit flights offered service on smaller planes with just one class. Delta will continue to utilize the upgraded CRJ-900 aircrafts, which seat 76 passengers and offer at least two classes for each of these new flights. Binghamton's previous routes to Detroit utilized a CRJ-200, which seated just 50 in one class. In order to allow for the increased connectivity afforded by Delta's Detroit hub, the current daily Binghamton to New York City flight will be discontinued. Tickets go on sale Saturday. The first flights uh, will be to DTW are scheduled for January 8th of 2024. On October 20th at approximately 9.35, New York State Police were dispatched to a fatal crash in the 2500 block of Elmira Road, State Route 13 in the town of Newfield. A preliminary investigation revealed that a male operator of a motorcycle lost control on wet roads, laying the bike down. He was identified as Patrick Robinson of Ithaca. Passerby of Schenectady stopped to assist the operator of the motorcycle when a vehicle struck both men. Both were pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the vehicle, a man from Illinois, is cooperating with New York State Police. That investigation is ongoing. It's now been a year and a half since 12-year-old Eliza Spencer was fatally shot near her home on Binghamton's east side. Eliza died after she was shot in the chest while walking with her father and her 13-year-old brother on Bigelow Street on April 21st of 2022. Binghamton police have released little information about their investigation since the fatal shooting. A reward fund of $32,000 has been established to encourage people to contact detectives with tips that could lead to the person responsible for Eliza's death. Detective Lieutenant Matthew Hodnick told WNBF News investigators are still tracking down leads in the case. He said police need the community's help as the investigation continues. Purple ribbons honoring the memory of Eliza Spencer remain in place at homes and on utility poles in the area where she lived. 
A memorial continues to be maintained on the corner of Bigelow and Chamberlain Streets near the site where the sixth grade student was shot. A new bar and restaurant catering to sports fans has started operating in downtown Binghamton. Courtside Bar and Grill at 56 Court Street is holding a soft opening. It's located at the site of the Colonial, an establishment that closed its doors in April of 2022. Courtside co-owner Chris Kehoe said the business initially will be open for dinners and weekdays starting at 4. He said it will open on Saturdays and Sundays at 11.30. He said he's in the process of getting the staff up to speed during the soft opening period. Some interior changes were made before the courtside bar and grill began operating. One noticeable difference is the addition of a more large screen televisions for patrons to watch sporting events. Courtside will offer outdoor seating along Court Street when warmer weather returns in the spring. U.S. Senator Bob Mendez is returning to Manhattan Federal Court to enter a not guilty plea to a conspiracy charge alleging that he acted as an agent of the Egyptian government even as he chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Mendez was scheduled to appear before Judge Sidney H. Stein on Monday afternoon. The Democrat stepped down from his powerful post in the Senate committee after he was criminally charged last month with other conspiracy charges. Those charges allege that he and his wife accepted bribes from three New Jersey businessmen in exchange for the senator's assistance. He has vowed to show his innocence. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio you can help guide the program today and every day. 607-772-1290. Let's go to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Morning, Bob. It's Dave from Binghamton. Morning, Dave. Hey, uh, so I was calling about a few things. Uh, one was, I unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to the Astor Place Manhattan Wegmans uh, grand opening, but... Um, it definitely looks like a beautiful store, but sadly, no sub shop and still no pharmacy. Yeah, I'm sure they'll strive to take care of those issues. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> and then the, 
the other thing that I was calling about was in regards to um, the change in flights, uh, JF, or, um, LaGuardia to Detroit. So overall, I think that's a great, great step forward to get back to uh, truly international airport um, with more destinations internationally, um, as well as still a good amount of domestic locations. The issue, uh, I looked up the prices um, for a certain date uh, in February going to uh, Bangkok, where um, my wife's family is. So the flight, uh, a flight from Syracuse to Bangkok would stop in Detroit and Seoul is uh, about $2,200. A flight from Detroit to Bangkok is surprisingly more at $2,800. So even though it's a layover from Syracuse, it's actually more to fly direct from there, but that's um, an interesting thing. A flight from Binghamton to Bangkok through Detroit is over $5,000. But a flight from Binghamton to Detroit is only was only 480 So I don't know why it would then cost another $1,500 just for the convenience of not having to book two tickets. You know, one from Binghamton to Detroit and one from Detroit to Bangkok. But it's just an amazing thing um, that and Ithaca to Bangkok through JFK is also about $2,800. So it's, you know, unfortunately not cost effective to stay that way um, to fly out of Binghamton most likely. And I'd love to, but it just doesn't seem like it's uh, going to be a possible and you know i obviously would have rather jfk from binghamton um but detroit is definitely a uh um a nice upgrade for most travelers i think than laguardia well the airline industry is a mystery it's unique and mysterious and why they do what they do is known primarily to the people who crunch the numbers And, I mean, ultimately, I think every airline is striving to put uh, new equipment into place, more efficient aircraft than they uh, may have used in the past. So Mm -hmm. they they want to, as much as possible, have have the same type of aircraft, or maybe two types, whatever. They want to minimize any, any different types of aircraft. They also want to make sure... The flights that they do run, whether it's from Binghamton, Elmira, Ithaca, Syracuse, or anywhere else, are as close to 100% full at all times. And yep. I, I did. I assume, well, I shouldn't assume, did you ever fly uh, BGM to LaGuardia? No. No. I, I just, that I never really understood the attraction. I mean, it's nice. Nice to say that you have a flight from Binghamton to New York City. I just, I'd like to see the numbers. I don't think the actual numbers will ever be released. I can't imagine that there was much of a demand for, for that service, especially when you consider the delays now that are inherent in air travel. Maybe if it was back in the 60s or 70s, maybe. But now, if you're heading down to, if you want to get a flight out of uh, New York City, or if you're just heading down to the city for whatever, what what's the point? You may just as well drive, I would think. Save money, save yeah. time. Yeah, and if I was, like, when I flew overseas the last time, we went out of JFK, and I would have flown out of Binghamton to JFK 
um, definitely um, to save um, some time and make it convenient instead of driving down to uh, New York City. Um, but having to do a transfer from LaGuardia to JFK, um, not not the easiest or best idea. Yeah. So, I don't know. I look back on uh, some of the newspaper ads from, say, the 60s or 70s and look at some of the air service that, that we used to have. I, uh, I had I, dozens of flights. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that Mohawk and Allegheny Airlines would have been my favorite choices, but on the other <laughs> hand, they, they would get you there. They would get you there yep. at, at a, I think, usually a reasonable price or a lot of... Uh, a lot of flight choices back in the day, but then again, the airline industry has um, been reinvented, completely reinvented. So, yep, that's too bad you didn't make it down. For... Too bad you didn't make it down to Wegmans. That's a that's a shock. I'll still I'll still get there um, soon, but well, yeah, I know you will. But not there. <laughs> I would have expected you yeah. to have been among the first five people through the door. I was down there three days before the grand opening, but uh, sadly they didn't work on, they didn't uh, plan it to my schedule. <laughs> of course not. No. I'll, I'll have a word with Danny and Colleen when I see them Wednesday. <laughs> um, like a plan. Have a great day. Thank oh, you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to make one other comment. So that that store in Manhattan, that's where the old Kmart was. Yep. Yeah. And surprisingly, well, not too surprisingly, but from what I saw, it's about eleven, only eleven thousand square feet of actual grocery, traditional grocery space, and the rest is all their prepared foods and um, uh, everything else. So it's out of the eighty-five, or out of the about ninety thousand square feet, um, I think it's eighty-five or something. Yeah, I believe it's, it's eighty-five. Only, yeah, only about eleven thousand square feet of that is traditional grocery aisle. Actually, according to the story I did when they announced this, 82,000. So they announced this two, a little over two years ago. And the point that I made, and I thought would be of interest to people here in Binghamton, that store is tiny compared to Johnson City. So correct, 82,000 square feet on two levels of an old Kmart in Manhattan. The Johnson City Wegmans location now has, I believe, in the neighborhood of one... 30 to 135 yeah because they added some space plus gee i i i still marvel that they now have dining space in johnson city for about 200 people it's amazing yeah and once they open the burger bar there it'll be even better burger they they have the burger they have the equipment (laughs) yeah they have the equipment they have the monitors Mm. the menus but it's uh still pending opening burgers thank you david you're welcome. Have a great day. Mm. And subs. It's 919 WNBF. So the Wegmans store that just opened in Manhattan is not the first Wegmans in New York City. The first Wegmans in New York City opened in the Brooklyn Navy Yard in 2019. And for those who also are keeping track of these things... The Wegman store on Harry L. Drive in Johnson City began operations in August 1990. Has it really been 33 years? It really has been. I think that was their smartest move, putting a Wegman store at that particular spot in Johnson City, despite some people who didn't want it to go there. Remember the court challenges? 
Not everybody was a Wegmans fan. It's 920. This is Bob Joseph on a Monday morning. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre-owned at GaltAuto.com. WNBF Live. And welcome to our program. Hope your day is off to a fine start. Had a chance to uh, drive through Binghamton's west side this morning, take a look at it couple of things. It's nobody playing pickleball. I was disappointed. I wanted to do a pickleball update and the pickleball courts on the west side are idle. Also, uh, nobody playing tennis. I just don't know why. Expected some kind of uh, oh, I don't know, Monday morning pickleball madness, but it had yet to uh, develop. We will see. Time will tell. Looks like a, a good week for weather buffs. People who enjoy autumn weather will probably enjoy what's coming later this week because it'll be almost a return to summer as we look ahead to second half of this week. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Today starting off cloudy, gradually becoming mostly sunny, high 51. Partly cloudy tonight with patchy frost, low 37. Mostly sunny tomorrow, high 65. Partly sunny Wednesday, high 74. And then taking a look at the high temperatures for later in the week, 74 Thursday, 75 on Friday. And... Next Saturday, partly sunny, 70s. So sounds good to me. Right now it's 43 in downtown Binghamton. That's 6 Celsius. Your metric education station. Air quality is good. Air quality index is 28. Good, high quality air. Good day to breathe deeply. Let's take a look at some of the stories making news. It's going on north of here. Hmm. Syracuse. 
The home sales market in Syracuse, they say, is cutthroat. If you want to buy a house in central New York, you've got to be tough, according to Syracuse.com. I didn't realize that it was that bad. And the story is by Rick Moriarty. Apparently, the cutthroat home sales market in central New York is uh, getting people down. So, According to this article at Syracuse.com, it's a tough time to be buying a home in the Syracuse area. The median, median price of houses at an all-time high. At the same time, the inventory of available homes has shrunk to a quarter of what it was a decade ago. Those pressures, along with higher interest rates and a slowdown in building new homes, are pushing Syracuse area home buyers into bidding wars. Hmm. Well, I guess it could be worse. Because that's probably a factor that people do actually love New York, despite what you hear in the media. I love New York. Um, oh, I wasn't going to mention this, but, well, I won't mention it yet. It's, it's newsworthy, but it's also, uh, it's not really happy, but it's newsworthy. We'll tell you about that a little bit later. Let's go back to the phones now at 927. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, it's, uh. Mr. John from Binghamton. Mr. John from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning to you, Bob. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about the economic competition. You remember when our political and Chamber of Commerce types were telling us that it's a competition. Well, I would say this. If, if we can't compete with Syracuse and Utica, we're, we're obviously not going to compete with Charlotte and Nashville. Uh, the man himself was in Utica uh, a week ago, and when I say the man himself, I'm talking about that great entrepreneur, Steve Wynn. Uh, oh, that's right, the big hospital opening, the long-anticipated opening of the big Wynn Hospital. $600 million, and that doesn't include a, I think, a $100,000 medical complex that will be built across the street. Uh, Steve was looking very tanned and very dapper, uh, even though he doesn't live in Las Vegas anymore. But what I want to talk about is, uh, here's the, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, he's philanthropist. Well, here's a real philanthropist. You know, this this hospital uh, was uh, funded primarily with the same same things that any hospital would be funded. But he came in, uh, you know, late in the game with with fifty million to his hometown. So uh, we have billionaires in Binghamton and Broome County. They've done a bit here and there, uh, but nothing, nothing. Uh, like Steve Wynn did, and there is, we have an addition going up to our hospital here, but this is a brand new hospital, which is in America very, very rare. Uh, and they accomplished it I, I, in less than three years. Uh, and uh, 
you know. So that's that's our competition in Utica. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at a. Uh, oh no, it's not actually a file. It's a rendering of a patient room at the Wind Hospital, but it's it's not an actual. It was put together before the hospital was completed. So yes, Governor Hochul was there, and I guess she was, wasn't she? Yes, she is. Yeah. She she was, and you know I. Uh, well, you know, think about this. So she shows up in Unica to mark the opening of a new hospital. Last time she was in Binghamton, I believe, she showed up to mark the opening of a weed store. Yeah. It yeah. puts it in some context. And at the same time, although she was just 38 steps, okay, 77 steps away from the front entrance to our station, she thought it was more appropriate to pose for pictures and encourage New Yorkers to buy weed than to come here and take a few phone calls from her constituents. Isn't that something? Whenever I see her, I think of Laura Branigan. I don't know why. Sorry, I momentarily went into my Ed McMahon mode. Oh, yeah. Johnny. <laughs> and Johnny. But, and then you're supposed to glare back at me like Ed Put down the mug. Try to sober up, bud. Okay, continue. Well, he, Sorry. Yeah, he had a very yeah. successful career, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Uh, but look, uh, all I, and, and, you know, the UHS uh, front piece there, uh, that's $300 million, About $150 of the million went to refinance or pay off existing debt. And uh, that's only a – there's going to be three empty floors there. That's, that's, that's not a people – building it's two floors an emergency room and some mri equipment on the second so you know uh what what again what is touted here is is very very small but potatoes uh and we've had really really poor land use in this town that that all these town governments you know we can't do this we can't do that you need a perk test i mean this has been going on for 50 years and thus, when somebody comes up with a scheme, there's desperation. Oh, go ahead and do that. Something that they wouldn't allow. I, I'll give you an example. The, the town square, uh, you know, outlet mall, I guess it's called now. I mean, that would never have been approved because everybody knew it was in a flood, uh, heavy flood plain there zone or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, <laughs> uh, these towns are, are very, very, uh, improperly managed and, uh, Bob, speaking of town, town of Shenango, the supervisor resigns. Uh, the new supervisor, Jim Dimashio, won't say anything about it. Now, uh, there's information that can be given out, and they're not giving it out. This, this is see, this is if you're running for public office locally, uh, you have uh, you you don't have any regard for the truth because you don't need to. You don't need to get it out of the, uh, out because. Uh, there's no media to give it out to. I mean, there is, but they're not going to go there. So uh, there were problems uh, with this lady, uh, and uh, you know, she 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 uh, left. So let's let's open up the files. Let's let this get out there. I Who's mean, actually running the town of Shenango now? I heard a lot of people were leaving, not just well, the supervisor. I was at one point. 
I I was concerned whether they'd have enough people to, you know, run the town to oversee the basic basic well, services. Are, are they okay now? They have that. Remember, there was a guy years ago. He worked at the savings bank, and he became a a big Binghamton booster, and he was oh, yeah. fighting negativism. Well, right? he was the one who lectured me one time in in yeah. a parking lot. He he. Uh, I'll paraphrase. He he was taking me to task. And he was telling me something to the effect, Bob, the glass is always half full and you make it sound like it's half empty. And I think my response was, I'm not optimistic or pessimistic. I'm just realistic. I just report what's going on here. And yet, you know, he, I mean, at the time, to be fair, things were going very well for him. So I, I understand why his enthusiasm, I guess, I, I think he was hoping his enthusiasm was contagious and which is fine. I think that's a good thing to encourage people and, you know, boost people. I mean, we need cheerleaders, but, but he made it sound as though by my reporting the facts of what goes on in the Binghamton area, somehow I was being a net negative or a nattering nabob of negativism as opposed to a positive nabob. Well. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's the head man up there now. But, <laughs> Bob, I just, just want to say, uh, you know, you cannot overlook these flawed candidates uh, that have been here. The, the guy in Scranton said it again at the city council meeting. He said, are, he said this about Scranton. He said, are there really that many police and teachers that we can uh, elect these same flawed candidates over and over again? And I, I just want to say, if you look at Utica with the new ice skating rink, uh, you know, uh, and, and here's here's the thing about Utica. It's not uh, 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 the balance of the community business-wise. It's not out of balance. And what I say by this, they didn't throw all their, uh, 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 what is that, throw all their apples in, uh, in the basket of a university. They have a university there, but it's not overwhelming. Uh, they have an insurance company. They they have all these things. A couple of insurance companies. They have health care. When you they don't have a speedy fest, they may celebrate their chicken riggies, but we have speedies. Hey, hey you know, uh, at the budget hearing, they read off the list of the highest paid uh, officials in Broome County. You know, and uh, uh, the DA salary is one of the highest, uh, but that is set by the state. But interestingly enough, after they read the salaries and they wanted to talk about 2024 budget, uh, they uh, passed a resolution raising the salary of Fred Akshar in, in the middle of his term, uh, enacting a local law to raise the salary. So they, they, they essentially bamboozled the public. They said, well, here's the salaries in the 2024 budget. And then, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes later, uh, they introduced this uh, local law to raise uh, Fred Akshar's pay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I did think when they when they read off all these salaries, I thought, well, geez, it's a good thing that the county never took over the Dick's Sporting Good, uh, uh, Dick's Open, BC Open, because John Kreese would be the highest paid county employee. <laughs> well, you know, that's... I used to say, I think I still say this, and I don't know if it's 100% true, but generally, my rule of thumb is nobody's overpaid. Although I usually apply that to 
entertainers or professional athletes, movie stars. I always, because sometimes people say, oh, I can't believe that so-and-so is getting that much money to do just that. And I thought, well, hey, they're bringing in that kind of money. Now, as far as elected officials or government officials are, are they being overpaid? I guess that's something that the electorate has to decide. It's always amazing how the pay for government workers and elected officials is is handled. It doesn't seem like it's handled in a way that it ought to be. I'm not sure the exact way, but it seems like there must be a better way to adjust salaries. I think everybody, no matter what their job is, deserves appropriate compensation. The way the pay increases are implemented at times makes you wonder why they do it that way. I mean, I know why they do it that way. It's just amazing people put up with it. It's 939. More calls coming up. 607-772-1290. I'm your friend, Bob Joseph. 92.1 FM. 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio, WNBF, 607-772-1290. We're here until noon, covering the Twin Tiers and beyond at WNBF. I've seen it all. Uh, <laughs> a um, a jet blue plane tipped backward, uh, did a wheelie. <laughs> I guess it's funny because I guess I guess no one was hurt, but it's still to look at the picture. It's just kind of uh, funny. So uh, someone posted this about the JetBlue Airbus A321-231 aircraft. Tail number N959JB. <laughs> it was built eight years ago. It tipped on its tail while parked at JFK Airport yesterday. The uh, aircraft had arrived from a place called Bridgetown. And there it is, it tipped on its tail. How how do you do that? I uh, guess very carefully. Story in the New York Post, the headline, as the New York Post is wont to do, is uh, fun. Wild images, not regular images, wild images show JetBlue plane tipping backward at JFK Airport gate after shift in weight and balance. The story by Yaren Steinbuck said, 
Passengers on a JetBlue flight were shocked when the plane popped a wheelie Sunday night after arriving at JFK Airport. Not regular images, shocking images shared online show the Airbus A321CO uh, tipped back, its nose reaching skyward and the tail planted on the ground. The passengers were getting off the flight from Barbados when the bizarre incident happened. A JetBlue spokesman told New York Post, once at the gate, due to a shift in weight and balance during deplaning, means people were getting off the aircraft, the tail tipped backward, causing the nose to lift up and eventually return back down. No injuries were reported. No injuries were reported. Good pictures on Twitter. So if you have have a Twitter, uh, take a look at those pictures. Uh, I'm sure it happens. Of course it happens. This happened about 8 p.m. Sunday. The plane had already been on one other flight, according to Flight Tracker, uh, Flight Radar 24. You may or may not be aware, pilots do calculate weight and balance before every flight to determine the plane's center of gravity and to ensure the proper performance. So if you're operating any aircraft, uh, any kind of a plane or helicopter, balance is important. So you hear those balance of nature commercials sometimes. Balance is important. Uh Never lose your balance. It's 945. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I call in. I'm looking for that new new number, WHWK. It's listed in the phone book. Well, I think you can call there uh, 772-8400 for WHWK. What is it again? Thank you. All right, 772-772-8400. 8400. I'll give you credit. All right. Thank you. Thanks for calling. It's 946 at News Radio WNBF. Coming up this afternoon... Sean Hannity from 3 to 6, bringing you the information (laughs) you need. So I encourage you to listen. Actually, um, also listen between noon and 3 for Dan Bongino. He has a lot of information, too. It's all for you every day. We bring you information. We bring you some talk. Well, just looking at some messages coming in. Thank you. Those who are sending in messages, thank you. Oh, Thank you for the messages. Did mention story earlier. I don't... Yeah. I guess I'll mention it, although it's sad, but it bears mentioning. The story about the um, JetBlue aircraft doing a wheelie, that was sort of a funny story. This is a sad story, so if you're if you don't like hearing sad stories, look away from your radio for about a minute. So 
uh, a dog named... I think Bobby, it's spelled B-O-B-I. So this dog named B-O-B-Y. Is it Bobby or is it Bobby? I think it's Bobby, but according to the world's greatest newspaper, the New York Post, the uh, oldest dog on the planet, Guinness World Record holder, I'll, I'll say Bobby, has died at the age of 31. He was a bicentennial man's best friend. Pet lovers devastated to learn that the world's oldest dog has passed away just months after his 31st birthday. The canine's death was confirmed by Dr. Karen Becker, a veterinarian who met the dog on several occasions. Last night, the sweet boy earned his wings Despite outliving every dog in history, his 11,478 days on Earth would never be enough for those who loved him. Godspeed, Bobby. You've taught the world all you were meant to teach. The Mutt Everlasting reportedly passed away October 21st at his home in Portugal, where he lived his entire life with the Costa family, according to the Guinness World Records people. So he was born on May 11th, 1992. So he lived to be 31 years and 165 days old. And according to the New York Post, the average lifespan for a dog is 10 to 13 years, as we dog lovers know all too well. Our, our canine companions almost always outlive us, and it's, it's always a loss. So anyway... Again, I, I think his name was pronounced Bobby, B-O-B-I. Sad news. Sad news this morning. World's oldest dog has died. It's 9.50. I'm Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF. Nine fifty three. Tom in Susquehanna. You're on the air. Hey, Bobby. How's it going? Good. Uh, sorry to hear about that uh, dog passing away like that, but boy, he sure lived a long life, huh? Yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah, uh, I called up to talk. I, Biden is not going to be running in twenty twenty four. I mean, uh, that guy. That uh, I mean, everything just seems to be falling apart. His brother gave him a check. You know. And this is really unbelievable. It, it reminds me of that uh, Jesse Somat, you know, the guy that paid the the two guys. Oh, in Chicago won. with the uh, yeah, right, some right. kind of a made-up story, they said? Yeah, well, it was a made-up story. Well, they said. I, You know, I don't know who to believe. You know, it seemed, it seemed ultimately uh, after the criminal case was handled, they decided it was made up. But what if they just made that up? I don't know. No, no, no. The, the two guys that he paid, they, they got photographs of them and everything. In fact, it, it, you know, it's the one guy was saying, uh, I don't know if you know Shaq O'Neal, he's a, a, a basketball player years ago. And he was saying, the one thing you learn is if you're going to get beat up by guys and try and they try to plant it on a Trump uh, supporters, he says, you don't pay them by check. You know, I mean, he used his credit card. So I'm telling you, I think. I think Biden is going to be pulling out pretty soon. And um, 
we'll see what happens. I, I don't think we're going to be able to last another year. Well, I, crap that's I, going down. Well, I, I think I've said that frequently, that he's not going to be the Democratic nominee. I think I've been saying what? that for several months. He won't that's be the Democratic you've saying, nominee. No, you've, you've been saying yeah. that, Bobby, for over a year. Sure. So I've been consistent. Because when you started yeah. it, I, I, was, I said that right off the bat, too. And then I was surprised that you agreed with me because it was only, you know, in fact, I looked around. I thought it was the second coming because you actually agreed with me. Well, you know, it's bound to happen. Yeah. You know, um, uh, even, but, uh, a, even a blind dog or is a blind pig is going to find an yeah, acorn know, every once in a while. So, you know, I mean, just because we happen to agree on one thing doesn't make that doesn't mean something's wrong with the world. I I just think, you know, we arrived at the conclusion maybe different ways, but I think it's it's safe to say that that there's no point. There's actually no point for the Democrats to have him as their running mate, and I don't think no. there's any point for the country. I don't see where anybody gains, even for him, even for him. I'm I'm looking because I'm. This is the humane the humane thing. I don't think he he truly wants or needs another four years in the White House. I think he wants a break. Bob, Bob, you're not defending his administration by any chance, are you? I mean, you think he did a good job? I didn't say that. I, I he doesn't need well, no, he doesn't no, no, he doesn't need to be defended by me, Tom. Oh, well, now you know because you got the other guy calls up who still defends him. How anybody could defend Biden at this point in time is it's just like these kids that are uh, demonstrating down in New York City for the uh, Palestinians. They're not Palestinians. It's the terrorists that are that are doing this. I mean, uh, and and the world is still going on. You still have them today saying, oh, no, uh, they're, they're good. I, I don't know where they're coming from. Well, I don't know what's going on either. I appreciate your call. We've got the news coming up next. Hope you call again soon. Yes, the news is next. Then we've got more. Two hours more of Binghamton Now on a Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 51. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 37. Mostly sunny Tuesday with a high near 65. On October 18th, around 7.32 p.m., New York State Police at Sydney and the EMS were dispatched to a one-vehicle crash near County Road 39 in the town of Bainbridge. An investigation at the scene indicated that the vehicle went off the roadway and struck a tree. The driver, identified as Naquane Johnson of Schenectady, was provided medical care by Sydney EMS but did not survive. The passenger, also from Schenectady, was evaluated by Sydney EMS, then transported to UH Hospital for further care. The investigation is ongoing. Beginning in January, Delta Airlines will once again fly from Binghamton to one of Delta's key Midwest hubs in Detroit. Flights from the Greater Binghamton Airport to Detroit Metro will be offered daily starting on January 8th. In addition to expanding the number of connections, Delta will utilize the larger CRJ-900 aircraft to accommodate more passengers on each flight with two-class service. 
Previous Binghamton to Detroit flights offered service on smaller planes with just one class. Delta will continue to utilize the upgraded CRJ-900 aircrafts, which seat 76 passengers and offer at least two classes for each of these new flights. Binghamton's previous routes to Detroit utilized a CRJ-200, which seated just 50 in one class. In order to allow for the increased connectivity afforded by Delta's Detroit hub, the current daily Binghamton to New York City flight will be discontinued. Tickets go on sale Saturday. The first flights uh, will be to DTW are scheduled for January 8th of 2024. On October 20th at approximately 9.35, New York State Police were dispatched to a fatal crash in the 2500 block of Elmira Road, State Route 13 in the town of Newfield. A preliminary investigation revealed that a male operator of a motorcycle lost control on wet roads, laying the bike down. It was identified as Patrick Robinson of Ithaca. Passerby of Schenectady stopped to assist the operator of the motorcycle when a vehicle struck both men. Both were pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the vehicle, a man from Illinois, is cooperating with New York State Police. That investigation is ongoing. It's now been a year and a half since 12-year-old Eliza Spencer was fatally shot near her home on Binghamton's east side. Eliza died after she was shot in the chest while walking with her father and her 13-year-old brother on Bigelow Street on April 21st of 2022. Binghamton police have released little information about their investigation since the fatal shooting. A reward fund of $32,000 has been established to encourage people to contact detectives with tips that could lead to the person responsible for Eliza's death. Detective Lieutenant Matthew Hodnick told WNBF News investigators are still tracking down leads in the case. He said police need the community's help as the investigation continues. Purple ribbons honoring the memory of Eliza Spencer remain in place at homes and on utility poles in the area where she lived. A memorial continues to be maintained on the corner of Bigelow and Chamberlain Streets near the site where the sixth grade student was shot. A new bar and restaurant catering to sports fans has started operating in downtown Binghamton. Courtside Bar and Grill at 56 Court Street is holding a soft opening. It's located at the site of the Colonial, an establishment that closed its doors in April of 2022. Courtside co-owner Chris Kehoe said the business initially will be open for dinners and weekdays starting at 4. He said it will open on Saturdays and Sundays at 11.30. He said he's in the process of getting the staff up to speed during the soft opening period. Some interior changes were made before the courtside bar and grill began operating. One noticeable difference is the addition of a more large screen televisions for patrons to watch sporting events. Courtside will offer outdoor seating along Court Street when warmer weather returns in the spring. U.S. Senator Bob Mendez is returning to Manhattan Federal Court to enter a not guilty plea to a conspiracy charge alleging that he acted as an agent of the Egyptian government even as he chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Mendez was scheduled to appear before Judge Sidney H. Stein on Monday afternoon. The Democrat stepped down from his powerful post in the Senate Committee after he was criminally charged last month with other conspiracy charges. 
Those charges allege that he and his wife accepted bribes from three New Jersey businessmen in exchange for the senator's assistance. He has vowed to show his innocence. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio WNBF. This is Bob Joseph on a Monday morning. We welcome you to the program. We'll be here till noon. So if you have things to talk about, I would say go right ahead. Talk when we alert you that it's time to call in. So we'll be talking about local issues, maybe some state issues, national issues, who knows, global issues. There are very few limitations. So stand by. We'll be going back to the phones a little bit later this hour, right here at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. We welcome back to the studio a candidate for Vestal Town Supervisor, Maria Sexton. Good morning. Good morning. And so you're the Democratic candidate for town supervisor. Yes, I defeated um, the incumbent in the primary. So John uh, Schaefer now is running on the conservative party line. Yes, he is. And he's welcome to come on the program. He's been on the program before, and he knows he's welcome. Uh, also, there's a Republican candidate, Ted Wolf. Now, I don't believe I've ever spoken with Mr. Wolf. Um, can you tell me anything about him? Um, well, I've never met him. So I don't want to speak for him or about mm-hmm. him. Um, but what I do believe is that he believes that there should be change as well. Um, so we're on the p- same page about that. Um, but I, if you look at our different platforms, and again, I can only look at that, um, we're the only candidates that are going to really proactively address both the problems and look at new possibilities for Vestal. All right. I want to... Even though I haven't spoken with Ted Wolf, he's welcome to contact me. He can, if he wants to be on the program tomorrow, he could be. If he does, same with John Schaefer. Everybody's welcome. In fact, although we're getting close to the start of early voting, I would say all three candidates are welcome to come in here and discuss the issues. I would love to do that. Well, let's plan on that on Friday. If if it works for John Schaefer and Ted Wolf and you, would you be able to come in on Friday morning? Absolutely. And talk about I would love to because right. I believe that everybody should be informed about the choices that they make. All right. Well, if they, I assume they're listening. Everybody listens. So I, I imagine either they're listening or their people are listening. So they know how to get in touch with me. And if, if they want to come in and talk about Vestal issues Friday morning, we'll do it. So as we get closer to the start of early voting on Saturday and then Election Day on November 7th. What What is your overall impression of the campaign in this unusual three-way race for Vestal Town Supervisor? Well, I believe that the majority of the people in Vestal want to change. Um, and we're just get, trying... I'm lucky enough to run with um, with Robert Green and Glenn Miller, and they're running for town board positions. 
Um, they're both very smart, capable, intelligent, um, but mostly dedicated people. And that's really, really important because the three of us want to make real change, but we want to do it responsibly and we want to do it transparently with real input from people. So all we want to do is get that out to people so that they understand. If they look at our website, we explain everything that we're going to do and everything that we're going to show everybody and how we're going to facilitate to make sure that everybody is heard and has a real say in what is done in Vestal. And that really is the core of it, is that we're three people who are about serving people and listening to them and trying to improve things in Vestal so that it's better for everybody. Have there been any new issues that have been brought up as you talk with town residents that perhaps we didn't talk about when you were previously on the program? Well, there's a lot of issues, um, but most importantly are literally the bread and butter issues. So as we, everybody in Vestal knows, we've been hit with tax assessment increases three times in the last four years. Um, and we've been hit with tax increases as well, repeatedly. So we've been hit hard. And, you know, honestly, myself as a resident, and I think I'm a pretty intelligent person, um, you kind of always get the feeling like, does this have to be, kind of seems wrong, don't really know the specifics. But I'm a person who wants to find out. So I spent the beginning of the summer simply reading the state uh, information, the county information, and what I found was astounding and upsetting is that the assessment increases never needed to happen. In fact, no other town in Vestal, uh, sorry, no other town in the county raised their assessments during this crazy market time. In fact, the last town to raise their assessments was Triangle, and that was in 2014. So it's never required. And the I hope people go to a website because there's links to all the information that I quote because we want you to see that everything that we say is real and is factual. And that is what's needed going forward. But the assessment increases never needed to happen. But it's not just the assessment increases, the budget. So, you know, they, the town has to, is required to publish a budget. So they do, but they do the sub, the section area budget, which honestly, it's very hard to read what's in there, what's not, what's essential, what's not. And they do that for, unfortunately, this administration does that for a reason. Um, from 2015 till 2023, they've increased the budget $8 million. That's a quarter of the budget. There's always, you always have to deal with a natural increase a little bit with salaries and costs of materials and things like that. And you either build into the budget or you make a conscious choice um, to increase taxes a little bit. But $8 million is not a natural increase. $8 million is a complete expansion of the budget. And so what we have to do as a community is we have to look at that. Now, it's gotten to the point where people have gone to town, a number of people went to a town board meeting and they told them after the assessment increase, that, you know, we just, we're here to tell you that we can't afford another tax increase. We know it's coming, but we can't afford it, and we're going to be priced out of our homes. 
And the town board's answer to them, and this is what makes my head want to explode, was person after another, right down the line, with the town board, lockstep, they said, you should be happy. Your house is worth a lot. Well, that's not the answer. Every resident of Vestal has a right to have an affordable lifestyle in Vestal as much as possible, because we all know we have to pay taxes. But we need to know where the money goes, whether it's essential, and they should have a real say in what we spend money on. So the answer, like, you can move if you want to, first of all, where are they going to go? And second of all, they belong here as much as anybody else. So that answer is not okay. We are the only candidates that say we need to look at the budget. They increased it. They expanded it. So let's look at it together. Thanks. Sorry. Were you going to? Oh, I, no. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that I'm I'm curious about, mm-hmm. and I, I believe we touched on it during your previous appearance, though, how you would start in January, the first changes you would make as oh. far as trying to um get spending in the tax situation under control so people starting in 2024 could actually see an appreciable change well you will see the difference from the first day i promise you that because we are going to publish the line by line budget it's going to be on the website and everybody is going to have a chance to look at everything that their tax money is spent on and then we're going to schedule a meeting approximately a month from then, not just a normal town board meeting, a public forum where we're all going to be able to discuss what's in that budget. We're going to have, you know, the experts in each field available to answer questions. Um, but we're going to be looking forward to say what, what's been done and what are our goals and what do we need to change and how do we do it responsibly without hurting our town workers? Because I've spoken to town workers. They do their best to do a good job. We, you know, it would be irresponsible to hurt them in any way. So, but we can do it. We're looking for the excesses and we're looking for things that are optional and that though is not going to be my decision that is going to be a public decision thanks to technology we can both videotape all our town meetings we can put things on the website to make it available to people and then we can also enhance communication through the website so our people's questions can be answered but most importantly we can facilitate real input so we can do electronic surveys where the information is available on the website. We can, but I'm always reminded, we need to have an in-person option for those who are more comfortable with that as well. So they can come into the town and I have a meeting and we all sit down and we go over the facts and they can ask their questions in person um, and they get their own um, uh, anonymous survey to fill out as well. So they can literally drop in the box and know that they get their voice as well. We're speaking with Maria Sexton, the Democratic candidate for Town of Vestal Supervisor. Early voting starts Saturday. Election day is November 7th. Can a lot of money or much money be saved without reducing or affecting town services going forward? Because I know 
people who live in Vestal, they're very pleased to have a paid professional police department. The town relies on a volunteer fire department, but it's well-equipped and for fire stations, and um, that's critical. The other services, highway and so on, are and parks are, are very critical. Can you save much money in, say, the next four years by main, while at the same time maintaining the services that Vestal residents have come to expect? Well, first of all, our essential services will always be our top priority. They will never be touched, and in fact, maybe they might be enhanced, but that's a public decision to make. So maybe we do want consistent, better road work. Um, everybody has the right to see why it's expensive, because they, these things are expensive, but they have the right to see why. But what we're looking at is not a reduction in essential services at all, or necessarily a reduction in personnel. Right now, no reduction in personnel whatsoever. Everybody that works for the town should be feel, should know that I will never, I was a union rep for seven years, I will never, ever hurt any town worker in any way. In fact, we want to do the opposite. We want to give them a voice in the whole process. We want them, their voice to be heard for the first time ever. And we want them to help us to make a plan going forward because we do want to increase efficiency. But we want to ensure that they are protected and then they honestly, they are the experts who do the work every day. There are things that can be done more efficiently. So in the long run, we want to work with attrition to see if we can increase efficiency and hopefully reduce some things. But essential services are always maintained and our town workers are secure in their job and for the first time ever have a real voice in what is done. So looking back over the last few months as you and the other uh, Democratic candidates have been campaigning, what kind of feedback have you received from Vestal residents? Well, a lot of encouragement because a lot of people feel that there needs to be change. We are trying, doing our best to introduce ourselves to people and we've gotten nothing but positive response from the people who take the time to take a look at us because our website, there's a lot on it, but it's based in facts and they see exactly what we plan on doing, which is protect them and give them a voice. Um, we actually appeal to conservatives and Republicans. We have con a lot of conservatives backing us, a lot of Republicans that have invested in us as well. Um, and the reason being is that we believe that the local town, we can differ on national politics. On the local level, it's about us being neighbors, looking locally what we can do. And the and the, all of the issues cross party lines. So we're talking taxes, assessments, the pool, whether dogs should be in parks. We're talking about the, you know, how to do things, whether people have a voice or not. These are things that we have the privilege on a local level to do very concretely and in a very real way. Um, it just takes the right attitude and honestly a lot of work. For me, for are, me. <laughs> are you receiving the support from other local Democrats that you expected? Well, most Democrats <laughs> got to the polls. Well, I shouldn't say most Democrats, but Democrats, a lot of Democrats got to the polls and 
very soundly told Schaefer, we do not want you as our town supervisor anymore. I had almost 70% of the vote. And both Robert and Glenn soundly won as well. So people want the change. Um, unfortunately, Schaefer has chosen to run again. But I just hope that the more the people learn about us, we are the best choice. We offer them a real opportunity to, to make a real change, to have a real voice, to have a real say, and to understand what's going on. Everybody has a right to under, to know where their taxes go and a right to have a real say in where it's done. We have that privilege on a local level. So when people find that out and when they talk to me, which is why I go door to door so much, they understand I'm not telling them garbage. I'm not a politician. I will never be a politician. I'm going to tell them the truth and and I'm going to tell them honestly what what we what I think we can do, what I can't do, but I'm going to listen to their ideas because maybe there's a better things, there are better things, um, better ways that we could do things that other people have ideas that we need to embrace. Are local elected Democrats supporting you, Assemblywoman Donna Lapardo or the state senator Leah Webb or Broome County Executive Jason Garner? Are they offering their support and helping you during your campaign? Well, the Democratic the Democratic Party absolutely is offering their support. Um, individual politicians, I believe, because it's such a highly contested race, they're kind of keeping out of it. So as far as I can see. Is but, that right? Well, yes, we have not um, gotten endorsed by anybody, but... Um, Is it frustrating to you as the one, mm -hmm. as the person who clearly won the primary in June? The party primary, it was not close. Yeah, but, but honestly, people come before politicians. I don't let politics get in the way. It's about the people of Vestal and what's better for them and what they want and the possibilities for them. The biggest thing, concrete thing, that we have to do is be proactive as well. So there is a possibility for flood mitigation. Um, there's Orient Army Corps of Engineers report. The politicians have already backed the idea. 38% of Vestal is in flood zones, and most residents got devastated, and a lot of businesses got killed in 2011. There is something, there's a possibility of something to do about that. The Army Corps of Engineers are experts in the field and their report simply says that if we build up the flood walls in um, Vestal, Endicott and Johnson City, because we're a geographic area, that it will protect our people. So why are we not looking into this? Why are we not resubmitting? Owego did it because they had a positive result from, from the report as well. And they're getting their flood mitigation. I've dealt with bureaucracies. I've dealt with administrative. I know what, what it means to do and I know how to resubmit and argue for what is right and what they've already said we should have. And we do it. And we, and, and so my background and my experience gives me a lot of tools. But my attitude in that, listen, we need to make things better. And if it makes me working like crazy to do it, then we need to do it. Because wouldn't it be the greatest thing in the world if we could protect that percentage of people who got killed before yet came back? And all the people that lost everything that we couldn't help. But you know what? Maybe we can prevent it from happening again.
Maria Sexton, the Democratic candidate for Vestaltown Supervisor. She is facing the incumbent, John Schaefer, who is running on the Conservative Party line and also Republican Ted Wolf. Early voting starts on Saturday. Election Day is November 7th. Thanks for joining us on WNBF. It's 1029 coming up next. Phone calls, 607-772-1290. We'd love to hear from you. This is Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF 1032. As we go back to the phones, Beverly in the town of Dickinson. You're on the air. Yeah, the, the bridge is going down tonight. I guess uh, there's a lot of people working on that. There's even women working on the bridge to take it down. That's great. That's great. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's a big, big project. Oh, yeah. They'll probably take a couple weeks, won't it? I think I think the basic work will take less than a couple of weeks. The whole project is complicated, though. I I went through all oh, the yeah, uh, oh my gosh, I went through all the details. Oh, it, I mean, they're very very specific details. I mean, even the exact place for all the signs. Oh my gosh, this is it's a very complicated project. Well, they're all complicated. You would think. All you'd have to do is bring in some dynamite and boom. But no, it's uh it's gonna take a while. I think I think most of the, the basic structural work though can be done fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean uh I'll probably stay I'll probably stay up tonight. I, I hope um I hope they have coverage on uh action news. Yeah. That would be good. I, you know, I mean uh that was a wonderful thing to have up, you know. I mean, mm. like I said, I used to walk. I used to walk from from where I lived. Used to uh, wheel the kids in a in a stroller and, and walk up that bridge. <laughs> the kids would the kids would say, "Ah, right." Well, good times. Right. Good times. I'm I'm among those disappointed. I'll miss that bridge. Yeah. So will I. Every time I, you know. I left the house here recently. I look over, I look over and, and and you know at the bridge and say, "Geez, a lot of people walked over there." But the most that that walked over there was the pe- was the people that went to the Speedy Fest. Yeah, yeah. Well, those have were the days. Were, uh, those were the days. Have you seen that? 
that new walk path that they did? I have. It looks great. I haven't actually tried it, but I I might try it later this week because it's it's nice and it's supposed to be uh, uh, later this week. It'll feel like summer again, so I might go out there on Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, that be that be nice. I, you know, like I said, you know, I there's a lot of people. A lot of people walk it though, and this lady, uh, she she had two. Two childrens in a stroller, and and they were they were acting like they were having a good time. Well, I think it's great that the state the state is doing its best to serve as many people as possible. I think they're doing excellent work. How do you like this roundabout? I love it. I don't it. know. We're getting we're getting used to it now. I love it. I love it. I those two you roundabouts know, are, are so. Oh, so courteous when, you know, when, uh, you know, they stop and you go where you want to go. And it's like everybody is contented. That's the way I look at it. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Yield for one another. Yeah, I, uh, I'm shocked at how well the roundabouts work. I know there were some naysayers, some people in the liberal media who were suggesting that the roundabouts wouldn't work well. Well, I think, I think as we've seen over the last several months, they've, they've worked better than most people expected. Well, well, one thing is you don't have to, you don't have to sit there at a red light and somebody uh, honking your horn to get out of their way. Well, that's what I don't like is people honking their horn and they, they want you to get out of their way. And it's like, where are they going in such a hurry? What makes them so important? But I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow how much noise we have. All right. Yeah, check in. I bet you we, we won't hear a lot of it no. because it looks like they have things up where where it might might cut down the noise. Yeah, I think they're going to do what they can to mitigate the noise. I mean, inevitably there'll be some noise, but I think I think they're going to try to keep it as quiet. Be very loud, I don't think. Well, I'll let you know tomorrow. All right, looking forward to the update, and that is the story from the town of Dickinson making contemporary news. It's ten thirty-eight at WNBF live and local on a Monday morning. Let's go to another call. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, you know who I am, Bob. Is uh, Jesse and Owego. And Owego. Now, uh, next time you come to Owego, I would be glad to join you in the Bob Mobile, and we can drive all over Owego. And I want to see what type of things a weagle has done for flood mitigation. Absolutely nothing. So I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I'm like, wait a minute. What have they done? I don't see flood walls. I don't see anything going on around here. The river's going to rise. The creeks are going to flood. And we just have to deal with it the way it is. But I don't understand what that means, flood mitigation, when nothing's done. Where was that woman coming from? I'm sorry. Uh, Reminds me of the song from Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. 
all I can tell you. Well, we'll see. Next time there's a flood, we'll see. Yeah, and guess what? I'll be out there on my rowboat with a 30-pack of beers, Bob. Well, everybody has to have a plan. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate the report from Tioga County. This is Monday morning, live and truly local with Bob Joseph. I'll be taking more calls at 607-772-1290. We're on the air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. And stay connected using the free WNBF app. In fact, we just received a report loud and clear from Interstate 75 South. Which reminds me, the same person reported on Friday morning, loud and clear from the Detroit Airport Delta Sky Club. Wherever you are, Interstate 75 or at the Delta Sky Club in Detroit, you can hear us loud and clear with the WNBF app. Ten forty-three. Good morning. It's Monday. With Bob Joseph live. WNBF. All I am is a man. I want the world in my hands. I hate the beach, but I stand in California with my toes in the sand. Use the sleeves of my sweater. Let's have an adventure. Go back to the phones and take calls on a Monday morning. Big in a Wego. This is a Wego's most popular talk show. Paul in a Wego, you're on the air. Oh, Bob, how are we doing? Doing well. Hey. How are you? Good. I'd just like to comment. We we haven't had any flood mitigation, but we've had a contractor bring over two acres of fill in in a flood way. Not floodplain, floodway on Route 96 in back of Peggy's powerhouse. There's uh, a big issue. The neighbors are up in arms. It's unbelievable that <clears throat> they let these people fill this property that um, many, many times the, the, the shoulder of the roads have been washed out. Um, in that area, it's near where the Tasty Freeze is in Owego. Right. And I know the general area, so can't someone do something about it? I mean, isn't there well, an agency, a local agency or a state agency that could look at it and, and say maybe maybe that's not a good idea? Well, I think when, when the, float, the <clears throat> road gets washed out, then they'll probably figure it out. But... It's uh, it's totally embarrassing. I mean, these people have filled uh, thousands of truckloads of yards of material been brought in there. Um, a surveyor is uh, <clears throat> on one of the adjacent properties, and they can't believe that these people are able to fill this area in. It's it, it had cattails on that property 
uh, before these people filled it in. And it's uh, it's going to be devastating for the poor people next door. I mean, they, they've had... Um, four foot of water in their in their house on the first floor uh from in two thousand eleven. It's um it's gonna be it, it's pretty sad. And well I see I, a lot of people around Broome and Tioga counties, let me rephrase that, not a lot of people. I see activity in sections of Broome and Tioga counties where people are are putting in fill and I don't know that it's in the long-term best interest of the community or neighboring properties. I see Phil being brought in at some sites, and I know some people are up to something, but they're very secretive when you call them and ask, what are you up to? Well, first, they don't return your call, and then when you ask uh, local officials about it, they say, well, I guess the DEC said, I guess it's okay or something, and I'm thinking, well, it doesn't sound like a a ringing endorsement, but I see these situations well, popping up where where it looks to me like there could be problems down the road the next time we have a flood situation. Which, which real, what brings my attention to it is I have a friend that works on a construction site right now in Owego, and it's above the uh, where the uh, open door, not the open door mission, but the uh, Catholic Charities is building a new building, and Mancini's doing the contracting there. Uh, ZMK is another company that did the site work. Uh, LCP tore the houses down. And as we speak, they're putting up silt fence. There is not one piece of silt fence on this property. And the last time we had a flood, there was debris and there was uh, stones and, and all kinds of silt that washed into these poor people's houses that are, you know, across the street from this bill. Not a piece of silt fence. This guy's a contractor. I don't understand how he has, um, there's no rules with this, uh, this gentleman. Well, maybe there simply are no rules or maybe, I don't know in that particular case. I just know I see other, other situations that sound quite, quite similar elsewhere in Tioga and Broome counties and anytime I raise questions usually it's it's greeted with a shrug kind of like well what can we do appreciate your call maybe maybe somebody in Tioga County will look into that maybe they are I don't know we we used to have people uh, on the program from Tioga County I guess now they're it's now being interviewed by the Ithaca station. 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph. We're here taking your calls. The program's called Binghamton Now. We do this Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. Always asking a few questions. Always serving as a voice of reason in what frequently seems to be an unreasonable world. This is WNBF. Binghamton now, WNBF 92.1 FM, 
1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Cyber attacks hitting hospitals in New York State, including Delaware County. It's getting close. Cyber attacks. And this is not good. A cyber attack is never good. But when it hits your hospital, that's dangerous, maybe even life-threatening. Uh, the Albany Times Union reports two hospitals in the Hudson Valley and Catskills have been hit by a cyber attack, forcing them to divert patients to other facilities. Cyber attack affected computer systems at Margaretville Hospital and Mountainside Residential Care Center, partner facilities in Delaware County, and Health Alliance Hospital in Kingston. They're part of the Westchester Medical Center Health Network. So they had to do an ambulance diversion and... Apparently, the hospitals are back to being fully operational. But sadly, uh, the healthcare network shut down all the IT systems at those facilities Friday night to address the threat and take steps to restore their secure network. EMS operators were notified that they could resume transporting emergency patients to Margaretville Hospital and Health Alliance Hospital. There is an exception for emergency stroke patients who will still temporarily be taken to other hospitals. So the question is, what's being done by the FBI and other authorities to keep this from happening. Why is this happening with disturbing frequency? These aren't the first hospitals, and they're not going to be the last hospitals to be targeted in a cyber attack. What are the state and federal authorities doing to protect our health care infrastructure? Well, not just health care infrastructure, what about gasoline? There. Did that get your attention? Remember what happened with the cyber attack? That disrupted gasoline supplies in the southeast just because it didn't affect us that time doesn't mean the next one isn't going to affect us. The next cyber attack could affect our gasoline supply, might affect our hospitals. Who knows what it's going to affect? So the question you have to ask is what are state and federal officials doing to fight this? After there's a cyber attack, they say they're investigating. Oh, great, an investigation. What are they doing to prevent these cyber attacks from happening? Why are they happening with more frequency? That's what I'd like to know. Why isn't this a high-priority issue for local, state, and federal government? I think it ought to be prevent cyber attacks. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. It's News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 51. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 37. 
Mostly sunny Tuesday with a high near 65. On October 18th, around 7.32 p.m., New York State Police at Sydney and the EMS were dispatched to a one-vehicle crash near County Road 39 in the town of Bainbridge. An investigation at the scene indicated that the vehicle went off the roadway and struck a tree. The driver, identified as McQuain Johnson of Schenectady, was provided medical care by Sydney EMS but did not survive. The passenger, also from Schenectady, was evaluated by Sydney EMS, then transported to UH Hospital for further care. The investigation is ongoing. Beginning in January, Delta Airlines will once again fly from Binghamton to one of Delta's key Midwest hubs in Detroit. Flights from the Greater Binghamton Airport to Detroit Metro will be offered daily starting on January 8th. In addition to expanding the number of connections, Delta will utilize the larger CRJ-900 aircraft to accommodate more passengers on each flight with two-class service. Previous Binghamton to Detroit flights offered service on smaller planes with just one class. Delta will continue to utilize the upgraded CRJ-900 aircrafts, which seat 76 passengers and offer at least two classes for each of these new flights. Binghamton's previous routes to Detroit utilized the CRJ-200, which seated just 50 in one class. In order to allow for the increased connectivity afforded by Delta's Detroit hub, the current daily Binghamton to New York City flight will be discontinued. Tickets go on sale Saturday. The first flights uh, will be to DTW are scheduled for January 8th of 2024. On October 20th at approximately 9.35, New York State Police were dispatched to a fatal crash in the 2500 block of Elmira Road, State Route 13 in the town of Newfield. A preliminary investigation revealed that a male operator of a motorcycle lost control on wet roads, laying the bike down. He was identified as Patrick Robinson of Ithaca. Passerby of Schenectady stopped to assist the operator of the motorcycle when a vehicle struck both men. Both were pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the vehicle, a man from Illinois, is cooperating with New York State Police. That investigation is ongoing. It's now been a year and a half since 12-year-old Eliza Spencer was fatally shot near her home on Binghamton's east side. Eliza died after she was shot in the chest while walking with her father and her 13-year-old brother on Bigelow Street on April 21st of 2022. Binghamton police have released little information about their investigation since the fatal shooting. A reward fund of $32,000 has been established to encourage people to contact detectives with tips that could lead to the person responsible for Eliza's death. Detective Lieutenant Matthew Hodnick told WNBF News investigators are still tracking down leads in the case. He said police need the community's help as the investigation continues. Purple ribbons honoring the memory of Eliza Spencer remain in place at homes and on utility poles in the area where she lived. A memorial continues to be maintained on the corner of Bigelow and Chamberlain Streets near the site where the sixth grade student was shot. A new bar and restaurant catering to sports fans has started operating in downtown Binghamton. Courtside Bar and Grill at 56 Court Street is holding a soft opening. It's located at the site of the Colonial, an establishment that closed its doors in April of 2022. 
Courtside co-owner Chris Kehoe said the business initially will be open for dinners and weekdays starting at 4. He said it will open on Saturdays and Sundays at 11.30. He said he's in the process of getting the staff up to speed during the soft opening period. Some interior changes were made before the courtside bar and grill began operating. One noticeable difference is the addition of a more large screen televisions for patrons to watch sporting events. Courtside will offer outdoor seating along Court Street when warmer weather returns in the spring. U.S. Senator Bob Mendez is returning to Manhattan Federal Court to enter a not guilty plea to a conspiracy charge alleging that he acted as an agent of the Egyptian government even as he chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Mendez was scheduled to appear before Judge Sidney H. Stein on Monday afternoon. The Democrat stepped down from his powerful post in the Senate committee after he was criminally charged last month with other conspiracy charges. Those charges allege that he and his wife accepted bribes from three New Jersey businessmen in exchange for the senator's assistance. He has vowed to show his innocence. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Away we go. Another big hour of radio with Bob Joseph on a Monday. Listening to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Why not? Have a wild night on a Monday. Sounds like a plan. Let's go back to the phones, shall we? 607-772-1290. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning, Bob. Uh, Dave from Bustle. Can you hear me okay? I'm afraid I can. You're afraid? <laughs> hey, all your nights are wild, Bob. You, you strike me as that kind of guy. Well, Oh, you wouldn't uh, believe. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> if, I, if I told you, people would say, come on, man. You're embellishing. You're exaggerating. You're mm-hmm. prevaricating. Nothing could be yeah. further from the truth. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, anyways, Rob, I was listening to you in, uh, I believe it was that, that, that Tom from PA there uh, discussing Biden. And I got to believe, Bob, you, you're smart enough to realize that um, Biden being so feeble in every way imaginable, what, they would have pulled, the Dems would have pulled the, the plug on him a while ago, but they still believe that what they did in the last election that will be gullible enough to see Biden get another 80-some-odd million votes, they, they think the country will, will believe that. So it's important to keep him 
in, Bob, because otherwise, if they had pulled the plug on him and threw Harrison, and she got 80-some million votes, then everybody would be very suspicious. Well, what makes you think? Look, we're we're all looking ahead to 12 months. It's hard to believe that the election is just over a year away, just barely. So you have to ask yourself, who, who in the world would best represent the Democrat Party? And I'm going to ask you that and, and be serious if... If um, you were in charge of the Democrat Party, who do you think would stand the best chance of winning the election in November 2024? And and be serious. This is a serious uh, – don't worry. They're not going to take your advice. But say if you were in charge and you have a, a magic wand, say they paid you a, a million dollars to come up with the dream candidate who stands a chance – of winning in November 2024 to keep the White House in the hands of the Democrat Party, who do you think would stand the best chance? All right, Bob, I'm going to be serious. What do you mean, don't worry, they won't take my advice? Sometimes I have good advice, you know. Well, okay. Well, that's true. I don't know. Maybe, for all I know, maybe Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries and Nancy Pelosi are tuned in right now along with their favorite uh, friends, Andrew and Chris Cuomo, maybe they're all listening at some cafe, you know, we go no less, and saying, I wonder what Dave from Vestal has to recommend. Bob, believe it or not, they probably would not agree with this pick, but I believe he would have a shot crossing both party lines and winning it. Joe Manchin. I believe he could, well, Bob. Okay. I really do. I really do. Well, you as... Billy Joel might say in one of his sad little hits, you may be right. I believe he could, Bob. You may be right. I may be crazy. I don't know. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, (laughs) Joe Manchin. Okay, so here's the dream ticket. This is a ticket that uh, could draw votes from from Democrats, Republicans, independents, liberals, conservatives, people who don't know which end is up. You put Joe Manchin at the top of the ticket and AOC as vice president. You just ruined the ticket, Bob. You <laughs> you, you can't add her in there. No. Oh, that's no. called balance. That gives you uh, both geographic and ideological balance right there. No, that's not balance. That's falling off the deep end. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. I, I would watch that debate. No, I'd actually watch a debate between Joe Manchin, the presidential nominee, and AOC, the vice presidential nominee. That, you know, the two, the, the two, uh, members of the Democratic ticket debating each other. That would be, that would be fun. Uh, Manchin State, uh, they're big time Trumpers. But yeah, he keeps winning. Doesn't that tell you anything? Well, I could. Does it, does by the way, I could tell you a lot about Joe Manchin, but unfortunately, the program's only on for another forty-four minutes. So I'll say, if you want to know more about Joe Manchin and why he keeps winning in West Virginia, look it up on the internet. Joe Manchin. Yeah. Let's be clear. Joe Manchin may, in fact, be a registered Democrat. But, dot, 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 look it up. Look look at the dealings 
uh, that involve uh, the Mansion family. That wouldn't that be a that'd be a, a funny TV show, the Mansion was family. He, was he the lead singer in Icewater Mansion back years ago? Remember that group vocal? Huh? No, I think his brother though uh, was uh, pretty well known. In fact, still is well known in some circles, some rock circles, Marilyn Mansion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ah. All right, Bob. All right. We've gone too far. Thank you. That's the story from Vestal making contemporary news. Marilyn Mansion, 1117. Come on, man. What kind of a dog and pony show am I running here? Just the very best dog and pony show in America. <laughs> Back to the phones. Another, another happy caller, another satisfied customer. Good morning. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Bob. This is Vinny from uh, Binghamton. Here I made a funny. I I called, I said, uh, Joe Manchin's brother is Marilyn Manchin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's Joe. Yes, and I. Yeah, and their cousin, their cousin, of course, is the far more popular Alice Cooper. Mm Yeah. Hey, look at the Democratic Party. It comes to Joe Manchin. Look at me. he's he's all we got in 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 uh, West Virginia. And well, I mean, let, it, you could call him a Dino. I mean, a Democrat name only. Yeah. But he's he is uh, he is uh, technically a Democrat. And he is technically from West Virginia, and I believe he, like many elected officials, is looking out for his best interests. Yep, and you know he's a he's a moderate Democrat, and our party is expansive as it is. We we'll, we'll take you, we got you. But you know what? I wanted to talk to, uh, if I may, Bob to to Tom in um, Susquehanna and Dave. Hey, listen, you guys, why don't you let me give you let me give you just word of advice. Why don't you if you call in and you want to talk politics about president, why don't you tell everybody that's listening who you want. Don't worry about Joe Biden. Don't worry about Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party, because you guys aren't. Why don't you talk about who you want? By the way, we received, listen to this, we received an email um, Mm -hmm. referring to apparently you, because uh, Uh there was no name used, but somebody I think was referring to you by saying that other guy who calls to defend President Biden, and an email a person shortly after that said that other guy who calls to defend the president has every right to call and defend President Biden, just like the guy who calls to say President Biden is the worst person in the world. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Absolutely. That that's that's what makes Bob that's what makes America great. Right? It's the American way. <laughs> it's the American way that that we can have an opinion and we can read the newly redesigned comic section in the press. At uh, at a font size that is inappropriate for any of their target readers. Yes, that's America. That, that's right. And so, like I said, I, I would suggest why don't you call in? I know it's painful, but call in and tell us who you want and who, who, why you want it, and who would be his running mate. Now, I guess this guy with ninety-one um, in, um, indictments in four different districts. If that's the guy you want, go ahead. And who you think Donald Trump should use as his running mate? Why don't you why don't you why don't you spend some time on that? Don't worry about Joe Biden. Don't worry about Kamala Harris. Who you want? And tell us how great they are and, and everything else instead of this stuff. Because that's all you do unless you're embarrassed. Unless you don't want to talk about it. I'm looking at the front page. We got um who was running for the House Speaker. You got eight people on here. Here we are in November. You guys won the House. 
Republicans won the House. And look at you. You are a disaster. And I know you don't want to talk about it, but it's right there. You are a disaster. You are a perfect example of what you talk about. Government doesn't work. So you get nominated and you show us how it's true. You don't work. And now they're having closed door sessions. You got this, this speaker there, Jordan. Are you kidding me? This guy doesn't even wear a sports coat. And you want this guy to represent the House. That's the problem, guys. That's a big problem. You're showing the American people you don't know how to govern. You don't. You don't. So don't use these diversions. Don't 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 worry about Joe Biden. Don't worry about Kamala Harris. Don't worry about them. Who you got? Who are you going to replace? Because you can see what has happened already in the House. You guys have just fumbled the ball totally. And who knows who's going to come out of there, Bob? Well, the uh, these eight people that are now going to run, they're doing closed door sessions. As Nancy Pelosi said, what's their biggest problem? They don't know how to count. You're going to go up here and say, oh, I got the votes. No, you don't. And that's all it is. I mean, look at look at it. It's, I don't know where, what else to say. I really don't. Solution. I have two words. The solution to the situation currently uh, uh, causing so much concern in Washington. Two words. Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem yeah. Jeffries for the win. Yeah, yeah. He got 210 votes. They <laughs> Hey. I heard this on other station. He should have heard the, the, the all the Democrats down there cheering and well, yelling. Sure. He got yeah. yeah, he's he's beloved. I, I bet yeah. you may not find some elected members, elected Republicans in in the House who will say it. I bet I would be willing to bet that many Republicans like Hakeem Jeffries a lot better than the names that are being floated down in their own party for the next speaker. They may be afraid to say that publicly, but they might say it privately. They might actually tell Hakeem Jeffries, gee, I wish you were a Republican so we could have you as our speaker. But because of the reality, let's face it, I'm not aware of any member of Congress who wants to face a primary next year. Well, Bob, you know what? Think about this. They went in and they did a, uh, when they were voting with Jim Jordan, I heard they did a closed door. That's where, you know, you can vote and no one knows what your vote is. You don't have to come up. And he lost by even more, Jordan. And if you watched Liz Cheney on Face the Nation yesterday, she talked about those threats. I think there was four Republican congressmen that got threats. One of them was the wife. How they got her phone number, I'll never know. That's another story wow. another time. They have, but that's very weird. It's, it's very weird. It's very sad. So, 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 so here, here's the point. She said they were in there talking, and one of them said, one of the congressmen said to the other, they said, "Well, that's your fault. That's not Jim Jordan's fault. If you had voted for him, it wouldn't have happened." That's the nonsense. This is what the Democrats have to work with, guys. This is the group that the Democrats have to work with. Just remember that. And I wonder if they had a closed-door session when they had to vote about impeaching Donald Trump. I wonder how that would have went. That's a good question. Good questions from our listeners. I appreciate listeners who raise compelling questions, give us something to think about. 607-772-1290. More calls are coming up. 
Don't touch that dial. You never know who's going to be next on the Binghamton Now hotline. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. News Radio 1290 WNBF. 1127 WNBF with Bob Joseph. Tom from Susquehanna is back on the Binghamton Now hotline. Hello. Listen, uh, I'm going to respond to Vinny from Binghamton who refer was talking about Dave and I. So Dave doesn't have to call up. I'll speak for both of us. Uh, first of all, if he doesn't know that I'm voting for Trump, he's an asshole. Just the way he lies, because his name isn't Vinny, and he's not from Binghamton. Well, here's what? the thing. Language. Language. What about it? Well, watch your language, or else you can't call in on the program. Oh, this, this, oh, okay. this is not a bar. I just, I got All right. Tommy, 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 take a breath. Take a deep breath. Fresh air. Fresh air. Okay. Let's talk respectfully about each other. So you have indicated that you will vote for a particular candidate. And we respect your choice. And uh, I can't speak for Vinny, but I can speak on, on behalf of the host. I respect your choice. I think everybody should vote for a candidate they believe will do the best job. That's not the question I'm asking you. From Like he says, why don't they talk about who they're going to vote for? They never say it. Bobby... Well, you know what candidate he would vote for. and But it's, it's sort of irrelevant in this case because we know, or I think I know, who he would like to vote for. I still maintain that Joe Biden is not going to be part of the ticket in November 2024. Now, I can't... I can't prove it. It's a gut feeling. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see if I'm right. But I still have this sense that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not going to be in the picture a year from now. I mean, they're still going to be in office. Don't don't worry about that. They're not going to be on the ticket. The Democrats will nominate a different presidential and vice presidential ticket. All right. So then why did you let Vinny? Con- All right. Bob, am I on? Yeah. Why did you let yeah? Why did you let Vinny continue talking? You should have said, Vinny, uh, Tom is going to vote for is voting for Trump. He he made it very clear. But you made him you get you gave him the uh, opportunity to to spew his lies and his Democrat propaganda. That's all he does. You know. And and if he's on the air, tell him to call back and have him answer me now. I'd love to. No, no. I, Vinny, don't call back now. Don't. Vinny, if you call back now, I'm not going to accept your call today. Vinny doesn't want to call back because he doesn't need to respond to what you're saying. He doesn't feel compelled every time somebody brings up something to have to respond on the program. Vinny will be fine if he waits till tomorrow or Wednesday to call in again. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Bobby? A lot of times I don't get your show down here. Today, uh, you're coming in five by five. 
you know, Bob? I know. I know. We've got, uh, we're using, we're using special power. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. I'm I'm joking. You know what? I don't even get 1290 on Sirius XM. My wife has it in the car and, and I can't get it on. I don't, I don't understand this. Now I've got a radio here that's 30 years old and you're coming in loud and clear. Well, you I know, think our engineer, oh, twi- I, our, our engineer probably tweaked the signal so we can boom in so you can well, hear us when you need us. You need us okay. now more than ever, Tom. Right. Well, you know what you should do is encourage more debates, more debates. You know, when people come in, have them debate. Say, look, uh, Tom from uh, Susquehanna, you, you uh, think and we'll call up and you can you can go three ways, can't you, on your phone there? No, I don't think we want that. Why not? That Some would people would be offended. New. Some people would be offended. Well, you don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't do it. You know, you keep worrying about offending people. You know? And that's ridiculous. You're a talk show host. You're, a, you're fair. But don't be worrying about offending people. Did you think Bob Grant worried about offending people? I mean, holy God. He was more but that was different. That was different. What? He was in New York City. This is Binghamton. I can't afford to offend a single person in Binghamton. This is this is a small market. Bob Grant, he made he made an art form out of offending callers and listeners. That's what he did. He could do it because it's the big city. This is a small town. This is Parlor City. I can't I can't risk offending anybody. Yeah, but don't you understand no matter what? By you letting Vinny talk about, oh, they don't say who they're going to vote for. That offended me. And I am very tough to offend. Oh, Tom from Susquehanna, I have a hard time believing you were truly offended. (laughs) Well, no, I wasn't, but I'm trying. See, thank you. Thank you for leveling with me. That didn't offend you, Tom. I know too much about you. I know too much about you and your past to know that anything that I or Vinny or anyone else says on this program, nothing is likely to offend you. Would it be something that would amuse you or distress you or something like that or even disgust you, maybe? But offend? I think not. Amuse? No, I know. Amuse, yeah. I mean, look. Look, you've been through a lot. We've all been through a lot. So it takes, I say, it takes for many of us a, a whole lot, maybe, hard to believe, but after all this time, after all these decades, I say for some of us, not much, if anything, is going to offend anymore because we've, to a, a large extent, we've seen and heard it all. And and we also put it into a context of our overall life experiences. So if someone says something on the radio, why would you particularly be offended? You might say, I disagree, but hey, that's okay. It's a, that's, a, that's human nature to disagree. Bobby, that was very well spoken. I don't think anybody could have spoken better that was really good you know that and you're right i i wasn't offended i was just trying to yeah. make a point yeah no and that was that was very good you're like a philosopher too thank you yeah uh it might have offended uh dave though well you know, ma- maybe but dave, you know what even even what? though dave doesn't have the same life experience as you or i i don't think he would have been offended 
You might have been disappointed well, or disgusted, but offended? I doubt. Well, he's, more, he's more sensitive than, let me put it that way. Well, okay. So I'm he's, he is more sensitive. Right? He's more sensitive than you or I. I admit that. <laughs> well, that's probably, he's got a higher IQ than you and I probably. Well, yeah. I'd say that's, he definitely has a much higher IQ than the host. I, I can't speak <laughs> about your IQ, but I, you know, yeah, I'm, no. I, I can, I barely have enough. IQ juice in me on, on any given morning to, to to understand how to make a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, you know what? When we were in the service. They used to have a saying goes, if you if you if when when the crap hits the fan, and you can keep your mind, it just means that you don't know what deep crap you're in. <laughs> well, let's. I, I've heard heard variations on the theme. You know, if sometimes people say, "Hey, if you're not worried, that means you're not paying attention." Appreciate yeah. your call. Okay, take care, Bobby. You too. It's 11.35. At WNBF, this is a station that allows the host to have a conversation with callers. It's unscripted. It's unscripted. What can I say? 607-772-1290. Call in. Who's next? Stay tuned to WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF with Bob Joseph. Joan in Binghamton, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Well, that story about uh, filling in the floodplain over in Owego, they've done that in, in Conklin also. Well, who, who gave them permission? Because I, I've seen that happen in multiple places in Broome and Tauga County. So who, well, who, said, that, who I, said that's okay? The story I got was uh, across from Eureka, there used to be a uh, trailer park. Which, of course, after the floods, um, 2006 and 2011, that was totally uh, wiped out. And that's at least a couple acre plot, I would say. And um, they filled that, they must have put on that lot um, 10 feet of soil along the whole area almost. There were big earth-moving trucks, one after another, after another, after another, for days on end, dumping soil in there. And the story is Pritchard is the company that uh, bought the property. He's oh, isn't that where Brett Pritchard uh, built his new yeah, facility? Uh-huh. I think he he built yep. a, a, a place for the, well, the company's headquarters over at Conklin Road. Right. Okay, now I know exactly. Right All right. Across from Eureka. Actually, his lot now is higher than Eureka's flood wall. Eureka put up a flood wall after the first flood that uh, part of it is permanently attached there and part of it slides in on these uh, things in the ground, you know, to slide these walls up, et cetera. And he's actually got put his property in building buildings almost as big as the property. Well, not quite because you got the back part there, but um, and he's got tons of soil on there and uh, fill, et cetera. Also, big piles that are twenty feet, thirty feet tall, or whatever you know, big piles there. 
So, uh, but what I was told from the uh, code officer is that, uh, well, uh, whether he commissioned or paid for or whatever, a FEMA study, and the FEMA study said that would not raise the uh, uh, water level in all of Conklin. <laughs> well, maybe that's true. I mean, if well, yeah, if, if a study says that. But you know the water that's going to be running in between his building and Eureka's wall is going to be going at 10 times the speed and 10 times the force and probably much, much higher than it ever did before. So maybe it won't affect anybody someplace else. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I am familiar with the project now that you, or now that, um, yeah, you specify so you, the location. Because you've I, got the river behind right. Eureka, right? you got Eureka's big building there and flood wall. you got Conklin Road, which is, what, three lanes there. you got his piece of property raised 10 feet up, and then you got the railroad tracks behind it. So guess what? If you restrict water flow, what does it do? Well, all I know about water is it'll go where it wants to go. Well, of course, unless it tears down the building. But it'll go, like, if you uh, build a channel, then obviously it uh, goes much, much faster through that channel and much, much deeper if it's restricted from going uh, in a wider, fanning out in a wider area. So well, that's where they're... you had five feet of water, now you have 20 feet of water. Well, in, in the end, if, yeah. if the studies indicated that it was okay, what, <laughs> I mean, seriously, what, what would the town of Conklin do if a FEMA study, or whoever conducted the study, I don't know if it was FEMA, Army Corps of Engineers, whoever did the study, if a developer comes up and presents it to, I assume, the town planning board or the town board, what yeah. can they do to stop it? It's just similar. Well, well you well, know what's going to happen, or at least they say what what could happen over in Westover. That. Well, what I'm saying is there are other spots, for example, in Westover where the Air Force Plant 59 was located that was used by BAE Systems until right. it got wrecked by the flood in September 2011. The IDA is talking about raising the level there to be above the one billion year flood level. So, well, I mean, yes. at some point, if if you're going to develop anything in uh, in a floodplain, it's going to have to be above the one billion year flood stage or whatever they calculate it. So, I don't well, know. The other mm. the other thing is is that uh, a business just down the street from him. When they were putting in their large parking lot, the code officer said uh, they wanted to raise the level of the parking lot, you know, higher off of the road a little bit. And the code officer said, well, you bring in one teaspoon of dirt, you have to take out one teaspoon of dirt. So that seems to be kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not... Uh, all I'll say when it comes to... Um planning and code enforcement around here there are so many questions and so few answers and i know my experience is when i call people trying to get direct answers for questions regarding planning and code enforcement 
more often than not, the calls are not returned because they don't want to deal with my questions. Uh, if they are, frequently, there are no good answers. So you bring up many interesting issues, but what, what I will say around here, uh, planning and code enforcement officials don't, don't like to respond to questions. Maybe they're afraid. It's 1144 at WNBF. Larry and Kirkwood, good morning. Yeah, I don't think one teaspoon of deer is going to do anything here. <laughs> okay, I'm making a joke here. Hello? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was glad to hear they're finally getting moving on that uh, case of getting justice for that little girl who was killed over a year ago. Um Hopefully they catch the, the son of a gun who killed her, you know. Oh, the the person responsible for killing Eliza Spencer, because that yeah. investigation is now 18 months old. It's hard to believe that it's been more than a year and a half since Eliza Spencer was shot in the chest yeah. while walking near her home with her 13-year-old brother and her dad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, why... I mean, do they know this guy was just came right up to her and shot her, or what was that? Nobody will say. It's it's all secret. Well, I mean, I can't I can't tell you. Nobody can tell you anything about this. Well, hopefully we get an answer. Well, all I can say is, if people have any information about the killing of Eliza Spencer, they should call the. Binghamton Police Detective Division at 607-772-7080. And they should call now, and they should talk with an investigator, even if they have spoken with detectives in the past. Maybe maybe there's something after a year and a half that occurs to someone that they didn't think about previously if they were interviewed by the police. Yeah, yeah. That's what... That's what it's going to come down to, probably, is the police may have to re-interview someone. Maybe maybe it'll be the fifth or sixth interview for someone, and then they'll say, well, you know, I was just thinking. I, I forgot to tell you this before, and it probably doesn't have anything to do with this case, but I was thinking about something I saw earlier that day or whatever, or something something that happened in the neighborhood earlier that week. So maybe maybe it'll just occur to someone after a year and a half that, that there was something out of the ordinary that occurred before Eliza was shot. And maybe that one bit of information could lead to the person who who's responsible. Yeah. And how many times have you heard about the actual killer is inserting themselves into a case and being interviewed and acting, oh, well, I don't know how this happened and they're the ones who did it, you know? Well, it might happen, too. You know, never never rule out the person who was responsible and there's, there's no way to know. At least I don't think there's any way to know whether this was intentional or unintentional. But either way, if it was intentional or not intentional, seems to me at some point the person responsible 
very likely finally could tell the truth. Unintentional. I mean, he goes and shoots a girl, and then he's he's gone. You know. But we don't know. We don't know the circumstances. It's. I think this qualifies as one of the biggest local mysteries of my life. Yep. So we'll see what okay. happens. Appreciate your call. Hopefully, hopefully justice will be done. That's what I think we all want. Justice. It's 1148. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF. Eleven fifty one at WNBF with Bob Joseph. This is Monday. We're just getting started. It's going to be a great week. We know that a lot of exciting things will be happening this week. And WNBF News is here for you to keep track of all of the excitement step by step. Every day we are here for you. Well, here's something. Robberies. We haven't seen any gas station robberies in the Binghamton area lately, but in the Syracuse area, lots of gas station robberies. According to Syracuse.com, in 24 hours, four gas station and convenience stores were hit by a lone robber in Clay and Salina. In each case, the culprit was a man. Two businesses are believed to have been hit by the same robber. Investigators are working to determine if the other two are connected, according to a spokesman for the Onondaga County Sheriff's Office. The latest business hit was a burned dairy on old Liverpool Road in Salina. I, who displayed a gun at 1.45 this morning, fled with nothing... He wore a red and pink hoodie and a ski mask. Another gas station and convenience store in the town of Clay was rubbed Sunday night. It was a mobile station. Then a uh, robber hit two other gas stations in Clay and Salina earlier on Sunday. So it's always something. Have you noticed? It just never stops. Bad people who do bad things. Or sometimes good people who do bad things. 11.53 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, William from Binghamton. Good morning. What's on your mind? Well, I was curious. Earlier I was listening to your broadcast, and uh, a lady named Mrs. Sexton is running for Town Supervisor. Yeah, Maria Sexton is the Democratic candidate for Festal Supervisor. Yeah, I was kind of curious as why her own party won't support her. Well, the vast majority of voters did. It, it was not even close. Now, as to the point that I brought out about elected Democrats, that's good. It's a good question, and I think. I think the uh, elected Democrats in Broome County, the county executive, the assemblywoman, and the state senator 
I think they should answer why they're they're not endorsing or campaigning for the Democratic candidate in Vestal. I I guess I guess they should call in and explain why. Right, I agree with you 100 percent because she sounds like you know she really wants to make some change, but you know these heavyweights. They're the ones that, you know, usually come in and help out the candidate, especially when they have a good candidate. She sounds, you know, sincere and like she wants to do something. But it amazes me that, you know, the ones that are elected and have been there a while won't even, you know, look at it. They said it was a contested uh, contest, so they're going to stay out of it. Well, apparently. No, maybe they, maybe the people I mentioned, like John Schaefer, maybe it's a personal thing. I, I don't know. But I, I think okay. it's, I do think it's appropriate for, for uh, Democratic elected officials to explain why they're sitting this one out. I think it's reasonable, you know, explain, and and it could be. Look, they've they've worked with John Schaefer as the town supervisor for years. Obviously, Leah Webb not as long because she's only been in the state senate for a relatively short period of time, but. Uh, the county executive and assemblywoman have worked with John Schaefer as a member of uh, the Democratic Party for a long time. So maybe, maybe because they do have uh, personal feelings supporting him, even though he lost the primary. So just, it is an unusual situation. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, real name, DJ, real place that I really live, Binghamton. I just want to speak real quick because I know time's short on that case where the little girl was shot and killed. I would suspect that it was a, a gang initiation deal. The guy probably don't even live around here, okay? But what's going to get this case solved is prayer because prayer changes things. So so just pray and just believe God and and, and they'll be caught. Oh, and good police work. Pray for good police work. Yes, but first and foremost, yes. Oh, and then also pray that no other 12-year-old girls get shot in Binghamton. <laughs> well, you are a well, lady. You I'm, I'm saying pray, pray for peace. Pray for people to put down hey, their man. guns and stop shooting. That's right. My experience is go to the source. He's going to solve it. He loves us, man. And, and meanwhile, do, do, do what they were doing for Harper's Dance, the concerts and the and the things. Set up a foundation, set up a scholarship for people. Go around and teach. The parents should go around and, and speak and encourage parents who have been through that loss. I don't know if they are or not, but these schools should be opening the doors to these parents so they can come and, and share everything. You know what I mean? Well, we'll see next time the school superintendent's on the program. I'll ask her. What she thinks of that idea. That's a good, that's a good point. I'll check with the school administrators in Binghamton to see what they think about pursuing that. Great start to the week. My thanks to everyone who called and certainly to you for listening. This is Bob Joseph. Hope you have a great Monday afternoon. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.